Rethinking Heroes, Life After the Military. I've spent a decade taking a bite out of conspiracy theories, unraveling urban legends, and grappling with worldwide top secret issues. I've even racked up some of their awards. Wow, I mean, first of all, what a question. Journalism is about telling the truth, all while ferreting out the bottom line. I'm a Harrison Hellraiser. Uh-oh, with me, Carrie Harrison, as your guide. Rethinking Heroes, Life After the Military, with Perry Harrison. Well, let's talk a little bit about what happens when you're a celebrity and someone falsely accuses you of sexual abuse, and it's from a minor in another state, and then the DA decides to join in the fun. We've talked a lot about AI, about deep fakes, a brave new world that mirrors the real world, except that mirror is not a real one. But as we're in Los Angeles, the following interview is going to serve as a cautionary tale for celebrities who navigate the perils of fame in an age where digital manipulation can wreak havoc on their lives and livelihoods. And let's remember, there's no editor-in-chief of the Internet. There's no adult supervision, no accountability until you get caught, and then you'd better lawyer up and cross your fingers. A recent headline in London's Daily Mail covers a story here in Los Angeles that has taken on international proportions. And one of my next guests is actor Joseph Gatt, who you may know from the Game of Thrones, the Star Trek theatrical movies, my favorite things in the world, and tons of TV series and more. And he's faced a nightmarish ordeal when he was targeted by false accusations from a 19-year-old girl, along with an aggressive L.A. prosecutor and the DA's office, which literally stormed Mr. Gatt's apartment with SWAT team-flavored helmeted gun-bearing stormtroopers and arrested him in front of the neighbors. This girl, located in another state outside California, falsely accused Mr. Gatt of sexual abuse, despite never having met him. Did I say that? Never having met him or received any abusive messages from him at all. And this is what led to his arrest for alleged contact with a minor for a sexual offense. Didn't happen. But here's where it took a turn. Recently in court, Joseph Gatt's legal team presented 180 pages of evidence that proved the obsessed girl's complete whole cloth fabrication of all texts of all Instagrams and Snapchat messages, all of them false. If anything, this case highlights the what our guests view as troubling incompetence by the Los Angeles District Attorney's Office as this major market DA failed to detect the girl's obvious fraud. Although the court was forced to dismiss the charges without prejudice, it does leave open the possibility of refiling the same charges. But at the heart of this is the unique American standard of the presumption of innocence. Yep, that is enshrined in our Constitution, the presumption of innocence, which was both bypassed and ignored for many. Uh, and this will underscore the need for reform within the justice system, most likely. As a celebrity whose livelihood depends on public opinion and maintaining a positive public image, Mr. Gadd has endured two years of harassment and work stagnation, including the loss of career opportunities and personal hardships. And it extends to his girlfriend, Mercy Malik, who is a public persona and has also been wrongly jeopardized. In full disclosure, Mercy Malik, a Stanford graduate and a first-rate journalist, used to co-host several different shows I did before COVID, even here on this station. And she was remarkable then and quite coincidentally has re-entered my orbit through this international news story. Uh, and now, 
this does remain a cautionary tale because if you are out there, you're in L.A., you're an actor, you want to be, you are already, you're in anything here and you're in the public. Uh, it's a cautionary tale because you're in the public eye as trolls and even A.I. fabricate evidence and manipulate social media interactions, exploiting people's celebrity status. We're now joined by Joseph Gatt, recognized from Thor, Star Trek, Black Adam and Dumbo to Banshee and Ray Donovan. His bio points out, I'm not making this up, that he's totally bald due to the condition known as alopecia universe, alopecia, we all know it as alopecia, which uh, he's had since he was 12. And it's a look that a lot of men opt in for these days, by the way, together with his imposing physique, he's definitely hard to miss. When you subscribe to our free newsletter at RethinkingHeroes.com, you're going to get the full video version of this broadcast. Uh, he's joined by his girlfriend, Mercy Malik, an actor, a musician, a writer, and an award-winning filmmaker who's been working in the TV and film industry since she was eight. A Stanford graduate with degrees in political science and communication, and many in L.A. might know her as a popular yoga and aerial acrobatics coach and choreographer. And if you hang out at Crunch, as I did, I always saw her there. The two are joined by their forensic investigator, Jeff Fishbach, a trial strategist who helps oversee the multi-billion dollar budget of the nation's second largest school district. Guess where that is? Yep, you're sitting in it right now, LAUSD. Mr. Fishbach is frequently engaged as a litigation consultant and forensic examiner, offering expert advice and oversight on matters involving intellectual property, computers, information systems, satellite, electronic tracking, and wireless communications technologies, but... His real passion is for solving crimes. That's why he's there today. He's currently preparing, by the way, preparing witnesses for an ongoing federal trial involving the future of cryptocurrency in the United States of America, e pluribus unum. Hence today's show in this brave new world. Let's start. Hell, that was quite an introduction, wasn't it? I hope I well wrote done, that. Well done, Harrison. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> well done. <laughs> we are honored. <laughs> Let's start with Joseph Gatt and Mercy Malik. Can you walk us through the night you were ambushed by the police? Oh, my goodness. Um, I think I still suffer PTSD from that situation. Um, I just remember firstly hearing extremely loud banging at the door. And me being, I, I just leapt up. <laughs> I grabbed the Glock from the side of the bed thinking somebody was trying to break into the house because the banging was so, it sounded like somebody was trying to knock down the front door. I ran to the front door and I shouted to Mercy. I think I shouted, call the police, um, ironically. Um, ran to the front door, looked through the peephole, couldn't really see anything, and then noticed that there was a very bright light shining through the front window of the house. And I was like, hmm, this is interesting. This doesn't feel like a robbery anymore. <laughs> and I peeked through the front window and could see the SWAT team um, vehicles outside, police, the light shining through the window. And uh, the entire block was a line of blacked out SUVs yeah. as far as the eye could see. It was um, one of those, uh, um, how do you call it, uh, uh, come to Jesus moments. It was like, mm -hmm. what is going on here? Or start um, to believe in Jesus moments. Yeah, something like that. Um, so at, by this time, Mercy had come into the living room. And I went back to Mercy immediately, obviously, <laughs> put the Glock away, disarmed it and, and, and made it safe and put it away and told Mercy what was going on and immediately tried to contact my attorney, who at that time was a different attorney based up in Washington State. 
obviously I wasn't going to get him at four thirty in the morning. Had no idea what to do. Um, Because your rights are unclear in our society right now. And and quite frankly, we had I thought we'd been swatted. I couldn't think of any other reason that a block full of of riot gear, a rifle bearing law enforcement would be at our door. It made no sense whatsoever. It looked like they were coming to arrest a, a huge group of violent, dangerous people. So um, in this day and age, when swatting is so common, that was the only thing that I could think of at 4 a.m. could be occurring. So at that point, it just became um, us trying to figure out how to not become a statistic of violence, as so frequently happens in these situations. Um, fortunately, it was not a no-knock warrant. It was a knock warrant. So we at least had a moment to compose ourselves and decide how to most safely open the door and try to comply as completely as we could for the greatest safety for all concerned. So here you are asleep as mammals tend to do when the sun goes down at a certain point, uh, unaware that anything is going on in the background, living your lives, uh, going to auditions, uh, acting, being in movies, on TV, both of you uh, doing what you do. And then suddenly the door, you get a knock on the door, you open it up, and there is basically a scene from Star Wars happening live in your hallway. They come in, I imagine they handcuffed you, Joseph Gatt, and probably paraded you in front of the neighbors, uh, L.A. is a large metropolitan area. If you don't live there, there are lots of neighbors. You may never meet them, but they'll meet you through the window. And so all of this is quite public, and you get taken away. Mercy, Malik, I imagine you were detained for just being alive and knowing Joseph Gatt. And you probably still don't fully understand what has happened yet. Like, <laughs> what we is this? They wouldn't tell us why they were there. They refused to show us the search warrant for three hours. I asked at least a dozen times, may I see the search warrant, please? They said, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah, I mean, every moment, Detective Amarantos was smiling and telling us about his um, imminent retirement from the force. And we're just like, can you actually tell us why you're here? Oh, you know why we're here. I'm like, no, actually, we don't. Um, can you please tell us, do you have a search warrant? Oh, we have a search warrant. We'll get to that. No, can you show us? You've just dragged us into the street. And you're in our home. Um, yeah, they wouldn't, if people out there think that you need to be shown a search warrant and for people, for police to come into your home, they're wrong. And if people think that you need to be Mirandized before you're arrested, also we're also wrong about that. <laughs> Which uh, technically, if you have not been Mirandized, technically it didn't happen. It has to go away. It has to be dismissed. It has to be thrown away because it's improper, but apparently you can, the police can do whatever they want improperly and there you are screwed right well if you have no access in the moment mm -hmm. you know the only access or knowledge you have regarding unless you're an attorney regarding what to do in situations like this is what you see on tv or the characters you played on tv and um when you cannot get hold of anyone at that time which i think is partially the reason why they came at 4 30 in the morning um you just don't know what to do and they can threaten you, which they did. They threatened us about what they would do if we didn't comply with regards to um, giving them, you know, the, the passwords to our um, equipment, giving them the password to my safe. Um, it was very frightening. We just didn't know, did not know what to do.
And ironically, the detective kept saying to us, you always deserve an explanation. You always deserve an explanation. But the explanation was not given. And the always was really, um, it was really piquant because no, it's not always. We have not been in this situation before. We really felt like we were being treated like people who very frequently had SWAT raids in their home at 4 a.m. You always deserve an explanation. <laughs> and yet the explanation never materialized. Yes, as <laughs> one does. Yeah. when that but happens it a, but it was all made completely okay because you know the the dda who was there at the at the at the search warrant execution proceeded to tell us about her private life and her pygmy goats so that made everything okay you know that being incredibly that's a, sarcastic that's, that's a tangent we'll we'll get back to that <laughs> we'll get back uh, to it, that later if I may, we should probably be clear on, on one thing since you gave I a, was a just really... going to jump to you, Jeff Fishbach, so that we can get a couple of legal details here. Also <laughs> important to point out that this got resolved, at least to a certain degree. So we're not talking to two folks who are advocating for themselves as if there hasn't been a decision made. You guys are free and clear, at least as of the moment, to some degree. Right, Jeff? Yeah, right. yeah. This at, at this moment, uh, other than all the damage in their lives, it's as if it never happened. Uh, they're they are as much at risk here forward as you or I or anybody else. Uh, other than I guess they're they're uh, they've got a DA who maybe would like to see if he could find anything else to be a little less embarrassed about how the case turned out. Um, so obviously they're they're under that eye. But I wanted to clear up one thing just. Because I, I appreciated the uh, the lesson for the listeners in how Miranda works, but one important thing to know about them is, uh, you know, normally we would look for those opportunities. Anything that was said uh, pre Miranda, uh, Joe and Mercy really did nothing wrong. I said Joe and Mercy, they, uh, you know, they were uh, known by their last name for me, but now now it's been a couple of years, so I know them really well. Um, they didn't do anything wrong. Uh, if if there was any mistake that I would tell them not to do again, they were probably uh, overly accommodating uh, to the police. They they gave up rights that they didn't have to give up. Um, but otherwise, there was nothing from that search. In fact, it was very interesting because one of the first conversations that I had with, uh, with Joe's attorney was looking, as we typically do in cases, is there anything that we can get rid of? You know, is there anything, any mistakes that the police made that we can get rid of? And we found them. We found plenty of them. But the interesting thing was there was no no need to get any, get rid of anything. They didn't find anything. They searched the house uh, very much so because uh, Joe and Mercy provided them with access to everything that they would need access to. And they didn't find anything. So there was nothing to challenge. Uh, we might have seen some screw ups from the search, but we didn't need to use them because they, there were no findings from the search. They, they checked his computer. It was completely empty. They searched his phone. Uh, I mean, not empty. It was a normal computer. There was no evidence of of a crime. There was nothing on his phone. Um, the only thing that they were able to to find, uh, thanks to 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 Joe's uh, accommodation, was they opened up his gun safe and uh, made the claim that he had a, a gun that was illegally configured. Uh, for which, by the way, we are still, and this might be one of the reasons why the case went away and may not come back. We are still trying to get uh, video of the search inside the house to find out exactly. Uh, what was going on with that gun that we haven't seen, but we haven't been able to get any inside footage. Uh, it's as if the police officers didn't have body cameras at all. Well, can't have it all now, can we? 
pardon me, pardon the <laughs> or sarcasm. Or in this case, any of it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm just going to reset because people might have joined us uh, coming in and go. people drive as they do, get in and out of cars. We're talking right now to Joseph Gatt, known for Thor for Star Trek and uh, uh, an assortment of TV series and video games, the victim of a fraudulent claim of an online dalliance with a minor leading to destruction of his popular career. He's joined by his partner, Mercy Malik, a multi-talented actor and fitness and dance coach. Alongside them is forensic investigator Jeff Fishbach, a trial strategist with expertise in technology and solving crimes, uh, who's currently involved in a major court case regarding the future of cryptocurrency. You can subscribe to our newsletter at RethinkingHeroes.com for the full video of this program. And this is important because if you're alive today during these modern times and you're in L.A. and you have any kind of public face, you may uh, encounter this kind of problem. Listen while it's still legal. Rethinking Heroes with Carrie Harrison. RethinkingHeroes.com And it is Rethinking Heroes. Carrie Harrison with you, your new best friend, reminding you to sign up for our free newsletter. It's our favorite price, isn't it? Free, unlike your donation, which is still free if you break it down. Go to RethinkingHeroes.com, RethinkingHeroes.com. Sign up for the free newsletter. You're going to get a video of this entire broadcast. You're going to be able to see uh, people's expressions and reactions, what we're talking about, and really absorb it in a different way. There's a world of people who go beyond audio. We do that. We're modern folks here, and we go to every length for you. So go to RethinkingHeroes.com. Sign up for our free Rethinking Heroes newsletter. You're going to get this. I'm going to reintroduce. We're talking to Joseph Gatt, known for Thor, for Star Trek, for an assortment of TV series, video games. He's a big guy. You'll recognize him the second you see him but he's also the victim of a fraudulent claim of an online dalliance with a minor leading to destruction of his popular career. He's been joined by his partner, Mercy Malik, multi-talented actor, fitness, dance coach, alongside them, forensic investigator, Jeff Fishbach, trial strategist with expertise in technology and solving crimes, working right now on a cryptocurrency case, a federal case in Washington, D.C., which is where he's sitting. And of course, Joseph Gatt and Mercy Malik are sitting in Los Angeles right now. Uh, Let's talk for just a second, you guys, about being restricted from social media due to your bail stipulations. So not only do you get arrested without being told why, not only are all your rights violated, but then you're told to shut up. Uh, (laughs) How did this impact your ability to communicate with your supporters who would have supported you had they been able to, had they known? Yeah, it it was a really difficult situation, Harrison, simply because um, I, I, I could see messages coming in it was really lovely and overwhelming the amount of support that we were getting both in person and online, but I couldn't respond to any of it. Um, I felt like I had been gagged because as we all know, you know, social media has become, you know, for everyone, not just celebrities, it's our window to the world to communicating with the world. And um, for celebrities, especially it's a big deal because it's about how we go about um, letting fans and the public know what we're doing, what's happening with us, how we feel about things and about communicating regarding work. Um, Almost 90% of work stuff is garnered through social media. So all of that was taken away. And I almost feel like I need to apologize to people for not having that access and being able to tell people what has been going on regarding the situation. Um, 
It but, was also somewhat crippling to his personal relationships because in this day and age, a lot of people communicate via Instagram messenger rather than texting someone, et cetera. So there are people that we are now just now finding out two years later, we're attempting to support him and support us that he couldn't access those messages because it was technically social media, yet it was the main way that he communicated with friends that he knew well, or uh, people from around the world. It, it, it was, um, yeah, it had far reaching consequences. I'm gonna put myself in fan shoes in a moment. I admittedly and openly and publicly will declare I'm a Star Trek fan. I like Star Wars too. So I know I saw so the guys in the corner over there going, yeah, but there's, no, I like them both, you see. But I grew up with Captain Kirk first. Let's just be clear on that. So I'm a big Star Trek fan. I've seen you, Joe, in uh, the theatrical releases of the various Star Trek movies. I've seen you on games of Game of Thrones, probably heard you on video games. Who knows? Uh, so I'm a fan. I'm just built in. There we are. Boom, done. That said, I can't, all I know is what I read in the newspapers, but I get no reaction. I can't hear from you, well, what's your side? So we go a couple of years without what's your side, and we never know. So therefore, by your silence, we might conclude you agree. And I think that's the trickery of blocking mm -hmm. your voices. Maybe Jeff Fishbach can speak about that a little bit, because if we don't hear back, well, it must be true. Yeah, no, we're we're dealing with that here in uh, in D.C. as well, uh, where we do we are actually under a gag order requested by the government and uh, and signed by the court. Uh, so it's not unusual. It, it is a tactic exactly as you've described. Um, also, I want to make it clear: you might have recognized uh, Joe Gatt. I actually had no idea who he was uh, prior to the case. I had to Google him. Uh, what is attorney called? So uh, I, I didn't know either of them. I'm very happy to. But you've upgraded now. You I have upgraded extra legroom. <laughs> I, I I I took the backwards approach. I became a fan by actually getting to know the real uh, Joe and Mercy instead of their their televised uh, versions. I still actually still haven't seen either of them in anything yet. I just haven't had time to to look. But maybe one day we'll binge and uh, and I'll I'll do a a Joe and Mercy marathon one day. Uh, but yes, this this is a real tactic uh, to restrict uh, speaking. It's a it is a strategic. Uh, operation. There's no question that e even here, you know, as I sit here, uh, I don't know, three miles away from the courthouse right now, that um, uh, in all likelihood they they will be tuning in to to see if if I broke the gag order on this case. They do make a big deal. As we left uh, Joe's case, um, it was made very very clear to me that there could be these sort of un uh, unidentified consequences uh, for revealing too many things about the case. Um, and, and that it, it's, it supports the government's narrative by doing that. Um, if we can't get out there and, and demonstrate to people that there is a real case, that there are explanations, or in this case, no explanations. That's the, that, that was the, the more difficult part was even had any been, anyone been able to speak up either Joe or Mercy or or me on their behalf or their attorney, there wasn't much to say other than from day one, even before the evidence that we waited uh, 21 months to receive, my position in the case was there was no case. Uh, the reason that we had to work so hard was really to get this moment to, to where we really are right now, because for, for their case, especially for Joe, 
there's a real difference. Um, so I worked for, uh, I wish I could, I, I wish I could name them really a couple of really good individuals that I worked for prior to, to Joe on bigger cases. I worked for a lot of people simultaneously, but two, two notable cases where they were in similar circumstances, but one was a, a former uh, professional basketball player who had kind of gone under the radar anyway, was just in private life. The other one was a doctor in Colorado. And what had happened was, is it was for them, it suited them that there wasn't a lot of press. There wasn't a lot of news. Most people didn't know they could go about their lives. People were wondering why they weren't doing certain things. But in Joe's case, it was really not just important to get out there and, and, and get the message known. But what he had pushed me from day one was that it wasn't sufficient for us to go make the argument that the police did their investigation, searched his, his home, confiscated things from their home, searched his computer, took his phone, uh, searched their online uh, personas and and uh, and uh, filed warrants and subpoenas to get evidence against them and still came up with nothing other than photographs of text messages that the um, that the individual who made the allegations provided to police. But that's it. There were just photographs of a phone. And my position normally in a case would be that's not sufficient. Uh, we should just have them dismiss it. And one of the reasons that this did, in fact, drag out, not to, you know, not, not, to, uh, not to put blame on Joe, but one very important thing for him was that if it got dropped, his career was really over. If it just got dropped two years ago, um, there, it would appear to the public as though they just couldn't make a case against uh, a celebrity. And he really pushed me for uh, for months months and months and months, even as I warned him, you know, we need to be careful what we ask for. Uh, we might be sorry. He pushed me to get everything. Uh, and I asked from the beginning, roughly 20 months ago, to get a copy of the Instagram messages from the accuser and from Joe, to get a copy of the cell phones that she was using. Uh, we had to fight to get a copy of, the, of her iCloud account because we were told that her cell phone was gone. Somehow she she went to police and and a case was filed, and yet she didn't have a phone to to uh, to produce to them to prove forensically that the conversations had ever happened. Instead, her family members supplied a photograph of screens, and um, so from from that, like I said, this is a case I think we probably could have ended a long time ago were it not for the fact that ending it that way would have also ended his career. I'm going to jump in here and just reintroduce you. You're hearing the voice of Jeff Fishbach. He's a trial investigator uh, or st trial strategist with expertise in technology and solving crimes, currently involved in a major court case regarding the future of cryptocurrency. But here today talking about Joseph Gatt, an actor known for Thor and Star Trek uh, TV series, video games, along with his partner, Mercy Malik. Uh, she's a, a, an actor, um, multi-talented fitness dance coach. Both of them have been in a kind of compression in their careers because the accusations were made. They were made publicly. This is an international global story, which is how it came to my attention. That's why we have them on today, because they're local here in Los Angeles. Local. It makes it sound like we're in Hooterville. But you know what I mean? The media capital of Earth. And when somebody points a big spotlight on you and you don't get to talk and they just keep saying the same thing over and over again, people think it might be true. And you're not even allowed to respond. And that's what we're talking about today is police overreach, government overreach, and how it affects you. We're looking really at uh, 
how this is going to affect you if you're public or even if you're not public anymore. What can somebody do to accuse you? And part of the effort that these two have made that have put themselves through a particular hell for two years when maybe it could have gone by by a while ago is they don't want it to happen to you, other people. And that puts yourself at extra peril. So do we do we think, uh, Mercy and Joe, that this is going to have some kind of positive impact, hopefully, for the public in the future? Well, we very much hope so. Um, and we both feel that we have been um, put into a position where we have no choice but to become educators and activists for issues like this. Uh, what's been really heartbreaking uh, aside from our own personal situation, is the number of people who have contacted us privately, which numbers in the dozens, both people we know very well and uh, somewhat, you know, more peripherally, telling us, uh, please don't talk about this publicly, but the same thing happened to me. It took me two or three years to get it cleared up. Eventually, the claimant recanted or they were exposed as having lied. But in the process, I lost my house because I had to mortgage it to pay for my legal fees, et cetera. It, insane stories of people that we know really well, and we had no idea it ever happened. We just knew, oh, they used to own a house and now they're renting. I wonder why. False accusations over and over again. And I want to just back up, and um, this is a kind of a technological issue that, um, because I, I'm not I'm not the expert that Jeff Fishback is, uh, so this was news to me, um, it, it, and perhaps it'll be news to some of the listeners. There are easily available apps listed at the top of the you know, Apple iTunes store to that you can purchase and create any sort of fake interaction, very believable visually messages between yourself and any one of your choosing. You can replicate the person's account so that it is indistinguishable from their actual account. And if you create those fake messages and take a screenshot or a photo of a screenshot in the case of what happened to Joe, you can show that. And, and these are promoted in the description as, as full of your friends that you're having a conversation with the celebrity. Pretend that a celebrity sent you a photo. Ooh. That was the evidence that was presented in Joe's case. And um, it, the, the most frustrating part was it was so easily and quickly uh, available to prove or disprove by just asking the accuser, hey, could you open the app and show these to us live? And that was never done by two different law enforcement departments. In addition to that, the original photographs that were supplied to us two years ago, almost two years ago in April of 2022, were very obviously, as I put that photoshopped. I naively thought at the time that you needed to actually photoshop such things, not that you could do it in about five seconds. Oh, like that's so 1980s. A... Right. I know. I'm just <laughs> stuck. I'm stuck. I mean, I'm wearing a choker today, guys. I'm really in the 90s. I just can't. I mean, that's my styley. Sorry. Uh, but yeah, that I foolishly said, well, guys, these are photoshopped. That was almost two years ago that I, with no technological expertise really to speak of, could a 12-year-old could have noticed this. And our minds just boggled. How could this possibly get to the point where it was a case filed with, you know, the the supposedly very um proficient Los Angeles District <laughs> Attorney's Office? It was suspicious and inscrutable. I'm going to stop now because I'll I'll go on forever. No, I'm you're sorry. you you pointed out something that I wasn't aware of that these apps are available and they can do that. Oh yes, in just a matter of and they minutes. can be used against anyone, anyone at all. You don't have to be a and, celebrity to fall prey to this. And here's the interesting: I, I we had no idea about these apps. Nope, absolutely no idea. Like I was one of those really 
idiotic people that thought, you know, during a, a certain recent presidency, people were creating <laughs> fake, like, tweets. fake tweets with this particular president, blah, 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 you know. And Jeff, you know, let me know. He said, oh, you know, there are apps that can do that. We were like, like what? What do you mean? <laughs> and he said, hold on for a second. About five minutes later, he sends me a photo and it looks like a conversation. I think it was, was it between me and Dana, I think, or something? Um, or, Actually, uh, I think I, I think I made a photo where she apologized for, uh, for, for uh, faking her, her yeah. allegations, something yeah. like that. And, 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 and he said, he sent it and to I sent it, I sent it to the attorney and the attorney said, oh my God, where'd you get this? It, it fooled our attorney. Who's a brilliant, brilliant guy with a, yeah. a ton of, you know, decades of experience in the legal system and incredibly highly regarded. If you're not a specialist in this thing, and that's why Jeff Fishback, thank you for saving our lives. If we didn't have um, if we didn't have his guidance and his knowledge and expertise, I, I don't I don't I shudder to think where we would be. Well, this is a really important piece of information, and I will naturally make a disclaimer. Don't download this app. Don't be naughty. <laughs> But do know that these are out there and this could happen to you. And that's why this is so relevant today. This, is, this would have been an, a different kind of story five, 10 years ago, but in a world of AI, in a world of this kind of uh, deceit, uh, where anybody anywhere can do anything and it looks so real and without having someone like a Jeff Fishback uh, as an investigative, as a, a forensic specialist to be able to break this down and find out if it's real or not, you get something like the LAPD or whoever it is uh, just hungry as hell. This asks a question you probably don't know the answer. I certainly don't. But why the lust of the DA and the LA, why were they so like tails wagging like spaniels running toward a water bowl filled with vodka like seriously <laughs> who wants to handle that because we do know the answer jeff go for it jeff. You, jeff. Uh, and i want to be very very clear up front uh much like the case that the da the current da told me he was filing these are very circumstantial allegations uh i have no forensic proof well i have a little forensic proof uh the of of what i'm saying um so i do want to be very careful that i'm not uh i'm not going out and disparaging anyone but the original da in the case uh we discovered in a, a very interesting way um had a relationship of, of, of what one is, is what is it one or two degree uh of separation relationship with uh with joe uh before the case was ever filed so what had happened was at a certain point after I was hired, uh, I got an emergency call um, that uh, Joe was being brought into court uh, for a hearing to have his bail revoked. And he was going to be, you know, they, they would be separated and he'd have to handle the rest of the, of the case, possibly from behind bars. Um, and it was apparently based on a statement from someone who claimed that Joe had communicated with him socially uh, in violation of the court's order that he could not, uh, which really seems like a very small issue, uh, even then, not not just looking back, but even then a really small issue. And the first thing I, I asked Joe was, you know, let's let's start by figuring out who this could even be, uh, because the DA isn't going to make such an allegation without some sort of proof. They've got to bring something in. Who could you have possibly communicated with? And Joe uh, almost immediately figured out that uh, a friend of his online, uh, more of, a, of an associate, Joe, I guess, or more yeah. than a friend, 
um, had made a joke that he thought was funny, and he wrote "ha ha," I think, um, yep. in response. Yeah, yup. Okay, yup. Yep. Um, that's yep. it. Just just one word, um, and that it was uh, that that must have been it. And so I insisted that obviously they would need to bring him in as a witness, and uh, and let's let's see how they could really make a, a real case out of that. They at that point um, we had tactically decided that we weren't going to let the DA's office know that I was part of the case. Um, just strategically uh, let them make a few mistakes before they know that that I'm watching. And uh, they went so they went into court without me, and he didn't show up to testify. And instead, the DA who had been late that day shows up with a document that was signed literally minutes, I think, before before the uh, the hearing. We were um, sitting in the hallway when the document was created. Yeah, so it's right right there, right then and there. And it was a declaration from the, the individual that Joe thought it would be from, uh, claiming exactly what, what she claimed. The issue with it was when uh, when we were dealing with, you know, how, how to deal with this, uh, one of the things that we figured out was that he did state, well, it I won't say he, it was stated in the document that he got this information from the media. And the first thing we did is we started searching the media to figure out when the media became aware that Joe was not allowed to participate in social media. And what we discovered was that that press release was made after the date that he claims uh, he was aware and all of a sudden, pieces started to fall apart. We started to do a lot of, uh, of, of uh, frankly, just Googling. And ultimately, we, we managed to find a connection between the DA and this individual, a personal connection between the DA and this individual, who also happens to have a personal connection with Joe Gatt. And then all the chips started to, to fall. Is that the right term? Um, Fallen they oh. have. And, and thanks to you, uh, resolved, fixed, and made clear as we're still untangling this thing. Coming up in just a couple of minutes, we're going to talk to Joe Gatt and Mercy Malik about their professional career and how this ordeal has impacted it with job losses, reputational damage, and how they plan to reclaim their career and move forward. Listen, well, it's still legal. Rethinking Heroes with Carrie Harrison. RethinkingHeroes.com. And it is Rethinking Heroes. Carrie Harrison with you. We are talking to Joseph Gatt, known for Thor, for Star Trek, for having an assortment of TV series, video games. He is the victim of a fraudulent claim of an online dalliance with a minor. Was a minor at the time, now is a major, except a majorly embarrassed person thanks to their uh, forensic investigator Jeff Fishbach, a trial strategist with expertise in technology who's also working on a major federal case for cryptocurrency right now. He's in Washington, D.C. Joseph Gatt, along with his partner, Mercy Malik, also an actor and fitness and dance coach there in Los Angeles. Let me ask you two about your lives now, uh, the ordeal of job losses, reputational damage, and how you two are planning to reclaim your careers and move forward. No. I such um, an easy question, I know. Right. I, yeah. Um, what a great question. I, I'm just wondering, Kerry, before we get to that particular thing, I think it's really important, especially with everything that we're talking about, that Jeff finishes, you know, the story regarding the DA we, we, and, and what happened there, because it's it's pretty um I, I think it's really important that the public know um what seems to be normal practice right. by the LADA's office. Great. Just, We've got about five minutes. So I'll oh, nutshell yeah. it. 
Uh, yeah, basically, what, what we found out was that um, the uh, sent a, a PI that works with me uh, over to speak to the individual that signed it. He made it very clear that uh, he didn't write the document um, and he didn't want to sign the document and he was against the document and um, and acknowledged that he did not know other than the DA told him uh, to look for anything that, that could help her uh, with her case against him. What we know is that she had competitive interests opposite Joe Gatt. We know that they uh, competed for the, the same, uh, not specifically against each other uh, in Joe's other career, uh, racing cars, but she also races cars. She goes, uh, she is effectively in competition for the same um, sponsorships uh, of which Joe had quite a few before. Uh, and it's a it's a small competitive community. Um, so there there were some real obvious things she should have disclosed immediately a conflict of interest when she was given the case and moved it over to another DA. And look, we got another DA and this DA dropped the case. And Harrison, I just want to circle back to to one thing to make it clear. There is an applicability universally to this particular topic we're talking about right now, or at least for Los Angelinos, because as we have told this story of perjury suborned by an LADDA, uh, without exception, every legal person we've mentioned it to, every attorney we've mentioned it to has gone, oh, yeah, they do that all the time. Oh, yeah, it's common practice. For I'm going to translate lying. Yes, to yes. to submit perjured statements to the court in support of convicting people guilty, innocent, doesn't matter. Lie to the court and it's considered acceptable in Los Angeles. I don't know how it works in any other jurisdiction in the U.S., but I think the public would be interested in knowing that, that if you're ever charged with a crime, whether you had any association to it or none whatsoever, if the DDA chooses to file a perjured statement, it's considered common practice. That's that's something that as a society, I really don't think we should tolerate. That's, so that's not a secret. Maybe outside the court, that might be a secret. It was to for, us. <laughs> yeah, for, for me, for three decades, that's not a secret. I've been reminded over and over and over again that law enforcement is allowed to lie if they if they believe they're doing so in pursuit of the truth. Appalling. Sort of like uh, when the news corporation, also known as Fox, formerly, well, it was Rupert Murdoch's wonderful invention, uh, through an act of Congress, they deregulated the news and said it only needs to be close to the truth. You just need to be aiming for it. Maybe it's not true. It's okay. And that allowed that network to flourish amidst a bunch of lawsuits. So we see the same thing now on individuals, yet all of us ride in the fantasy that we have all these wonderful protections, thanks to the founding daddies. But L.A. somehow has circumvented that. And again, people don't even know who the mayor is, who the city council is. It's one of those towns in the world, the size that it is, where nobody knows who's running anything. So how do you even know how the system works? But you guys are letting us know up front, we'd better be careful. That means, do we now need to worry about our own text messages and just basic digital communications? Yeah. Well, Absolutely. It's, but it's worse okay. than that. You, you don't have to worry about your own. That, this is the problem. You don't have to worry about your own at all. Uh, you can take care of yourself and 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 not send out anything that would be embarrassing or or illegal, because someone could do it for you, and and you don't you don't even need the app anymore. Thanks to to uh, to AI today, um, I can I can put you anywhere I'd like to put you. As the more photographs, in fact, this is a problem that is more unique to Hollywood, and and Hollywood should really be afraid right now. I really mean this. Uh, the more photographs and the more sound bites exist of you online the more accurately I can recreate you and have you do anything I want. 
if you're a person who has very few or no photographs online, it's very difficult to do that. So Hollywood and, and any celebrity, any politician, um, anybody who has a real public presence uh, should be afraid right now where we are. On the, the sad part to me, and this is why I was so interested in, in participating in this, is that I have actually been a fan of LAPD forensics for quite some time. I've, I've spent days uh, inside of what I believe to be the second most sophisticated lab outside of the FBI that we've paid for uh, in California, taxpayers uh, paid for in Los Angeles. They have all the tools to have solved this case years ago before they ever went into his house. And they didn't use a single one of them. They took a picture that was given to them by a child. A photograph and hence the political motivations the jealousies the personal axes to grind all of that seems like a tv show and not like reality but it is the reality which means if it's happened to joe gatt it's happening to other people we just haven't heard about it yet uh quick question here uh jeff fishback so with ai and faking people being somewhere saying something there really is no public cure yet people like you that have these exquisite skill sets we we look to you i mean really where does one go is, is there an uh, app that fixes what the a fake app has done is there a competitive app no there's there's a lot of there is a lot of discussion about uh apps that do that i, I have to tell you it's a it's a double-edged sword because those are also used uh because their accuracy is so low i now have students or families who are calling me because their kids are being accused of using ai to generate uh, schoolwork and those apps aren't accurate there. The only real thing that we can do is we need to count on and we need to push, and this is why I, I love what I do, we need to continue to, to, to turn up the fire uh, on our representatives and our, our own police departments, our own DAs uh, by way of election um, to make sure that they use the tools that they have and that they oversee their own departments and make sure that they're doing the actual job using the forensic tools that they have. Because in this case, had they demanded that there was real forensic proof, it wasn't there. It didn't exist. And this we've case got about away. two more minutes, and I'm sorry to jump in like this, but let's finish with how can we hold the DA accountable? Uh, I imagine you guys have a next step so that they, this person just doesn't get away with it. Oh, whoop, oops, oops, I lied. Oh, well, what's for dinner? No, there's probably a, a bigger plan here. Uh, well, I, I would say just the first step and Harrison, you've, you've done us such a service today by uh, bringing us on the show and thank you for your very incisive questioning. It has really been a pleasure um, to be able to really cut to the quick of it. Uh, right now, we're uh, the first step is asking for equity in media representation. Joe was number one trending worldwide when the when the arrest happened, right? And he was number one in Malaysia <laughs> that week. It, the news of Game of Thrones after arrested was absolutely everywhere. There has been one print outlet to cover the story of the charges being dropped. We've emailed and contacted and called and called and all of these dozens and dozens of, of major publications who are so quick to announce the arrest have been crickets on the charges being dropped. So garnering support to actually hold people accountable requires that people know that it occurred. And for most of the public, they don't know that these charges have been dropped, let alone all of the malfeasance that went into the case existing in the first place, which as Jeff mentioned, 
has cost the taxpayers a ridiculous amount of money. So at people of Los Angeles, in addition to being potentially in danger yourself of falling into the trap into which we <laughs> unknowingly found ourselves, um, you've also paid for this monetarily. So the responsibility of and the media- And we'll continue to pay. And we'll continue, right. So the responsibility of the media to let people know the end of the story, not just the beginning of the story, is quite weighty and not being responded to right now, except for yourself, Harrison, KPFK, the Daily Mail, and, and a couple of other, um, you know, uh, not, it's it certainly, it, it's like a one to 1,000 coverage at this point. So for us to be able to, as I said, um, garner the support to hold those accountable who should be. Uh, people need to know about it first. So thank you for being one of the few who are working to actually disseminate truth and truth that's important societally, not just to us personally. Wow, that was beautiful. I'm going to use that as a promo. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, sometimes I just get on fire yeah. for the cause. and That's why boy. I just sit here and just shut up sometimes. <laughs> just like, mercy over to you. Descent well, we are, of Fox TED Talk is complete. Thank you. <laughs> we are regrettably out of time, and I apologize so much, but I just want to, uh, for those of you who have joined us, maybe joined us a little late, uh, we've been talking to Joseph Gatt, known for Thor, for Star Trek, for assortment of TV series, uh, video games, and he was the victim of a fraudulent claim. Fraudulent, proved by court, it's dismissed, it's done, it's finished. Uh, but it was an online dalliance with a minor, never did happen led to the destruction of a popular career, which he's now rebuilding. Thank God that he's innocent, that the word is now getting out. Joined by his partner, Mercy Malik, a multi-talented actor, fitness and dance coach. And alongside them is uh, another new best friend, forensic investigator Jeff Fishback, a trial strategist with expertise in technology, solving crimes involved in a major court case right now regarding the future of cryptocurrency. That will affect you too. We've learned about apps that can do deep fakes. We've learned about all kinds of stuff. Do re-listen to this. You can get a free newsletter, our free newsletter, at RethinkingHeroes.com. You'll be able to see the whole video of this, and it will help make more sense and use it as school. I want to thank you all for joining us today, and I appreciate it very much. Preventing Truth Decay. Rethinking Heroes with Kerry Harrison. RethinkingHeroes.com.